So this morning we are continuing in our series for Advent about expectation. And uh, we've been doing it around the uh, the premise of pregnancy, which uh, the, the scriptures use pregnancy as a way of, of talking about this. And, uh, you know, normally as we talk about Advent, and I know in my own personal life for a long time, whenever I thought Advent, to me it was always uh, about remembering uh, the, the baby Jesus story, right? That God so loved the world that he sent his son and uh, they had traveled and had their baby in a manger and, and and uh, the angels were there. And that's certainly, uh, that is certainly an important part of the story. But in our time and on this side of that event, that's an event in history. Uh, but as Christians, uh, when we are yearning for a coming, uh, it's not as a baby. It's as a king and a ruler. Before Jesus went back into heaven, he promised that he would be back. And that there, any of us that know the scripture, spoiler alert, um, at the end, he's going to win, right? You can go to Revelation 21 and 22, and there will be a new heaven, a new earth, and everything will be made new, and there will be no more crying, no more pain. Justice will be restored. Creation will be restored. Everything will be restored. That was inaugurated as Jesus came as baby, grew into a man, gave his life for us, suffered and died, was crucified, buried, raised from the dead. But now he sits on the right hand of God waiting to return for us. We are yearning now for him to come again. There's a sense of an already and a not yet that we're in the midst of. It's it's sort of like being pregnant that, you know, when you find out you're pregnant, when you get the test or when your body starts telling you there's something different, you're, you're pregnant and you're expecting it, but it hasn't happened yet. You start to go through changes. You start to prepare. Uh, things start to change. You, you become a different shape and uh, you take on a different attitude and uh, you're grumpier and... I wondered how much farther I had to go before you'd react, but and some of you recovered from it. <laughs> all right, there. We're all on the same page now, okay. But until the baby comes, it's just expectancy, right? You're yearning for it, you're longing, you're preparing for it, but until the baby is delivered, it's just expectation. You're just pregnant. It's something you're hoping for. Well, it's the same with our spiritual life. We're yearning for that day when God is going to make everything right. It's been accomplished in the heavens. It is a fact that we, by faith, Trust in and believe in. It's a part of our faith that gives us comfort when we say goodbye to loved ones, that we have a home prepared for us, that this life isn't the end, and that he's going to make all things new. But right now, that's just an expectancy. That's a hope. In a physical birth, in order to go from expectancy to delivery, there's a painful process that has to happen. Carol Burnett described it once when she was asked what childbirth felt like 
It was a guy asking, she said, take your lower lip, stretch it over the top of your head. That's what it feels like. I'm glad I never have to go through that. But in order to get to the blessing, there has to be a painful time. It's related to creation. You can go back to Genesis. Uh, God created the heavens and the earth. And once there was a division, once uh, sin entered the world, once they were exited from the garden, uh, we were destined to toil for the rest of our lives and women will suffer in childbirth. But there's still God with us. But until until the pain comes, delivery can't happen. And that's sort of where we are in our salvation life. Yes, God has won us for his own. Yes, we have eternal life. Yes, we have hope. Yes, we have a destination. But right now, things are not the way they should. I'm told that the pain of childbirth passes and the child is worth it until they get to be about 13. And then you reconsider that. But but sometimes the pain, many times, most times, pain is a necessary part of us coming out on the other side of something greater. That's what we're going to talk about today. That longing for the return of Christ, that that yearning we have, that things are not the way they're supposed to be. I mean, are we such horrible things that go on in this world, and it's not just a modern civilization thing. It's happened since the beginning. There are wars and rumors of wars and and violence and hunger and injustice. It's just a part of who we are, and you can't even hide from it in a little village like, like Kerrville. It's it's right here. There are hungry families and abused children and sex traffic victims and all sorts of violence and stuff, even in our little nook of the woods here. It's happening everywhere. That has nothing, that's leaving out all your personal stuff with family and friends and your health and the bad doctor's report and the upcoming divorce and, and child custody. All of those things just piled on us. It's overwhelming. But we're going to read to see what the, uh, what Paul has to say about our yearning. He's coming. It's been conceived and completed in the heavens. He's coming. But how do we wait in the meantime? We're going to be in Romans chapter 8. I'm going to start in verse 18. says, yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory He will reveal to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who His children really are. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of the future glory, for for we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. 
We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as His adopted children, including our new bodies He has promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. For God knew His people in advance and He chose them to become like His Son so that His Son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, He called them to come to Him. And having called them, He gave them right standing with Himself. And having given them right standing, He has given them His glory. This is the Word of the Lord for us this morning. Thanks be to God. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory He will reveal to us later. You talk to a mom and she's going to say, oh, it was horrible, it was 24 hours or whatever, but look, right? The, the product, the blessing is worth the pain. There's, there's a sense in which Paul is acknowledging life is hard. And too many times we as Christians try to paint over it, and we can especially do that during the holidays with all the decorations and everything else. We can, we can just hang out with Jesus in the manger and, and, you know, have this little, uh, serene scene and, and silent night singing in our heads. But in reality, Lord Jesus broke into a world that was broken and he didn't do it in a way that he wanted to paint over anything. He came to heal the brokenhearted and to, to bring justice and mercy and kindness. And he doesn't ask us to change our, to, to check our brains as we come to him. There are, we, we need to acknowledge life is hard. There's brokenness all around us. The war, the illness, death, decay. It's all around us. It's heartbreaking to us. Paul says, it, all of creation is groaning for the redemption. Again, go back to Genesis. He created the heavens and the earth. The earth is part of creation and everything that he created is, is decaying and dying right now. The world around us is decaying and dying. We are decaying and dying. It's a part of who we are. We're mortal beings. We get older. We, we break down. We have to get artificial knees and artificial shoulders and everything else. By the way, there's a special club here for everyone who's got artificial knees. We have, have about 95% of this congregation in that club. But, This groaning. All of creation is growing. Jesus, as he was riding into town that last week before he was crucified, when the Pharisees were saying, you shouldn't be calling out and making a, a, a scene, Jesus said, if they don't cry out, the rocks will cry out. Even creation knows this is not the way it should be. Things are not the way they were meant to be. Something has 
to change, groan. Can't even put it into words. Groaning. Groaning. Not only is creation groaning, it says we're groaning. I don't know if, if, if you, I don't know if you have something so heavy on your heart that you don't even know how to put words to it. And your prayers are simply sobs and groans. A few years ago, I learned about a practice called travailing prayer. T-R-A-V-A-I-L-V-A-I-L-I-N-G. Travailing prayer. To travail means to labor or to work hard. For myself, a lot of times my prayer was simply a, a little check-in, right? Little uh, good health, uh, good mental health thing of, uh, good morning, God. Uh, thank you for yesterday. Thank you for today. Bless my time. Keep my family safe. Uh, be with this person. Be with that person. Thank you. See you later, right? And there's nothing wrong with that. But travailing prayer gets into the groaning of prayer. Where the brokenness of the world is something you can no longer cover your eyes from. When the injustice of how people are treated or excluded or abused breaks your heart the way it would break God's heart. And it can't be said in a simple thank you God for the day prayer. It, it's fallen to the knees and sobs and groans, begging at the feet of God for him to listen and do something. I'm mindful of Jesus that night before he was crucified. He had the world on his mind. He, he had the suffering ahead for him. He knew that the, the future of humanity hung in the balance. This was the thing he had come for, to die for those who didn't deserve it so that we might have life. And that night in the garden as he knelt down, it says that Jesus prayed in such an a incredible prevailing way that he sweated blood drops. That's how, that's how intense his prayer time is. Do you ever travail in prayer? Is there something that, that you're willing to labor for? Is there something that you're longing for that is so heartbreaking to you, that, that is so important to you, that you're willing to travail at the feet of God? It's that, it's that recognition that Jesus, you're our only hope. And Paul says, nature is groaning. They're travailing. We're prevailing. We're groaning. And we're not alone. Because sometimes in our travailing, we don't know, we don't know where to go next. We don't know what to say. And God even takes care of that. It says the Holy Spirit prevails groans for us. Words that we can't express. Thoughts we don't know where to go to. Knowing the brokenness, knowing the hurt, knowing the pain. We're all longing for a better place. Longing for our new bodies. Longing for the end of suffering. This weekend, a, a close friend, uh, one of our one of our really close friends, and, and uh, she is, she got Alzheimer's about a year and a half ago, and she died. Um, 
Friday night, got word that she had passed away. Such a horrible disease. It, it, it had gone from her being one of the funniest people I know to she couldn't even feed herself or recognize her husband in the last three months. And for her family, it's just the heartbreak of not knowing for sure how much she was aware of and what she was experiencing. And, and just the relief in her husband's voice when we talked that she was unlocked from the prison now. That's the travailing. That just something needs to change. Something needs to change. And the Holy Spirit does it for us. Groaning for us. Creation's groaning. We're groaning. The Holy Spirit's groaning. And you can begin to wonder, oh God, where are you? Why aren't you coming? When are you going to return? It reminds me of you get to the end of the book of Genesis in the Old Testament where the people of Israel, the people of God, the people of blessing had moved from being the people of blessing to being slaves in the country of Egypt. And they were being mistreated and abused and their prayers were going up and it seemed like God wasn't paying attention. And then you turn the page into Exodus and the setting is the Hebrew nation as slaves being mistreated and God in a burning bush calls out to Moses and said, I've heard your prayers. See, our our groans get to the throne. You have direct access to God. He knows what you're going through. He's with us. Emmanuel, Cody and Stephanie read it for us today. Emmanuel, God is with us. He doesn't have to be. This is what love is all about. Love is not this this little neat little thing that we put on a Christmas card. It is the most fascinating Amazing gift that you, that we can imagine. Don't diminish it with emotion and cuteness. It is about pain and suffering and sacrifice and hard. It It is a gift none of us deserve, but He was willing to give it to us. Yes, the world is not the way it seems. It, it, the world is not what it should be. But we're going to be okay. We groan. We moan. We want our hearts to break the way God's heart breaks. As Christians, if we are becoming more like Christ, the love that Christ has for the world should be demonstrated in the love that we have for one another. And that's all God's people. And by God's people, I don't mean members of First United Methodist Church. I mean everyone he created. Even those in different countries, even those uh, with, different, with different names, even those uh, with different backgrounds, even those with different lifestyles, even those with... Di- I don't care who they are, they're important to God. And anyone who suffers breaks the heart of God. And anyone who is a victim of injustice, it breaks the heart of God. And as God's people, we need to quit making Christianity cute and comfortable and prevail and groan over the injustice of God. And the uh, narthex out there, we have poinsettias. 
on a table out there and they're, uh, on a table, they're addressed to, uh, some people in our community, uh, some of our shut-ins and, uh, nursing home folks and, and folks that are part of our, our congregation but can't get here. And one of our traditions is to deliver them poinsettias. And as you leave, we have a small group that prepared them and has some Christmas cards and stuff for them, directions to their house. And on the way out, if you are so inclined, you can take one of those and you can be the heart, the, the hands and feet of Jesus this week to deliver them and, and send a message of love and care to them on behalf of our church family. We need to do more than just talk about love. We need to labor in love. Labor in love. Now, God could have said, you know what? You don't deserve anything, uh, but I'm, I'm going to give you a reward at the end, uh, but I'm not going to do anything for you during what you, you, you've, you did away with any blessing that you get, got from me, but I'll make up for it in the end. And you know what? That would have been more than fair. And we would have nothing to complain about. That would still be a good God who was just and almighty and everything, but that's not how God worked. In the midst of all the travailing, in the midst of all the groaning, in the midst of all the brokenness, he still pours out blessing after blessing upon us. We, with all the brokenness, we still have so much to celebrate. What an amazing God we serve. And it says that as our groans reach the throne, as the groans of nature and us and the Holy Spirit, as those groans reach the throne, that he responds by, by taking the bad things and working them together for our good. For all of us who love him and are called according to his purposes, because we have been adopted by him. We're joint heirs with Jesus He is the firstborn that has shown us that there is a home and an eternal father who's going to receive us there. And we're his brothers and sisters who are going to join in that inheritance. Even in the suffering, he makes it good for us. I didn't read the last part of Romans uh, 8. And it's not on the screen, but I want you to listen to it. To me, this is the climax of the book of Romans, and for me, the climax of the New Testament. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one, for God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one, for Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of, of, of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. Another voice. Groaning nature groaning us, groaning Holy Spirit, the pleading of Jesus Christ. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean He no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the Scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all of these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. For I am convinced 
that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Not death, not life, not angels, not demons, not our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow. Not even the very powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. God is for us, who could be against us. If he hears our groans, if he's promised he's coming again, this is, this is what Advent is for us, an anticipation, a hope, a confident, patient hope that God is who he says he is, and he's going to do what he said he was going to do. And even in the meantime, in between the already and the not yet, he can give you the peace and love that you're looking for. Advent is a play on light and darkness. Jesus, the light of the world, coming into the darkness of the world. The way we demonstrate love is not hiding from the darkness. It's taking the light into the darkness. I hope you'll join me this week in the midst of all the holiday things of pushing back the darkness with the love of Christ. Would you bow with me? Let's pray together. Such a simple and overused word, God. Love. but it's literally the most powerful thing we're ever going to experience. Make new in us the reality of your love of the world. Make new in us the reality of your love for us. And make new in us the reality of our need to love one another. We groan because it's not the way it should be, but we know you're coming. So we join our voices in the cry that has echoed through the ages, Come, Lord Jesus, come.